Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron, a program for Catholic men by Catholic men. My name is Matt Palmer. I'm blessed to be one of our hosts here at Iron Sharpens Iron. I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. Uh, Devin, good morning, brother. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing out there in beautiful Iowa? Everything good? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Nice sunny day. How about you? We're doing great here in Columbus. And listeners, I should say I'm a part of a ministry called Catholic Men's Ministry in the Diocese of Columbus. I also want to give a shout out to our host station, St. Gabriel Radio, 820 AM, for all of the work that they do to host our program. Uh, We're grateful to them as well. And our guest today, so excited listeners, Carl Keating. Many of you may know Carl as a Catholic apologist, author, speaker, writer, uh, and a great lover of our Lord and his church. And Carl, we're so excited to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you, Matt. Very pleased to be with you today. Well, it's great to have you. And Devin, why don't we start and just open our time together with Carl and with our listeners in prayer. Would you lead us, uh, please, Devin? Yeah, you bet. name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we know that our ultimate purpose is to live in communion and union with you. And our Lord Jesus came to establish that connection with you so we could have that great relationship being sons of yours. Please help us to live in that sonship. And from that purpose of communion and union with you, discover more of submissions, missions in which we can change this world and bring souls to you. We ask this in your son's most holy name, and as always, Blessed Mother, uh, St. Joseph, please intercede for us. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, Carl, welcome again. And, uh, you know, it might help our listeners uh, here in the early part of our time together for you to just share a little bit of your background. We like our listeners to get a sense of of, of who our, uh, our guests are, kind of their, uh, where they were born and raised, and a little bit about your faith journey. So um, let's turn it over to you. We're excited to hear all of that. Well, I don't know if I have much of an interesting story. I'm not a convert. I'm a cradle Catholic. Grew up in a, in a Catholic family, but not particularly active or devout. Uh, I think I ended up, long run, being the most active Catholic in the in the whole group. Uh, I was born in Chicago, and uh, that was when the first Mayor Daly was mayor. So I like to joke that because I was born in Cook County at that time and under him, I have a perpetual right to vote early and often, no matter where I am, (laughs) even after my death. So... uh, Well, we, we try to keep we, we try to keep politics out of it, but I guess we <laughs> we jumped yeah, right in. <laughs> you know, the only you know the only I forget who said it, but the only two really interesting things to talk about are religion and politics. Good, and those are the two things that we're not supposed to talk about in social gatherings. Well, I, maybe why some social <laughs> gatherings are rather boring. Uh, so I was a boy in Chicago. And we moved out when I was about six to Southern California, near Los Angeles. And I grew up there and lived there through high school. I attended a public school system, and it was really quite a good system. 
Uh, I don't know if the same can be said anymore about it because I think public education in general has declined notably in the last half century. But when I was there, it was a good system. Uh, I did not attend parochial schools. Then I went off to college in San Diego, got a degree in mathematics because in high school I had excelled in mathematics. And among other things at that point, we participated in uh, math tournaments throughout Southern California. Each high school had a math team and we would go and I'd be a member of our team and I, I always seemed to take first place. Uh, so I majored in math in college and now, all these years later, I no longer can solve a quadratic equation. So uh, there was plus and minus in that. After college, I went on to law school, practiced law for a dozen years. And during the course of that, I began to become involved in apologetics work. And eventually, after a dozen years of law practice, uh, set that aside and went full-time into an apostolate that I had set up as a part-time thing some years earlier, and that was Catholic Answers. You know, we can stop right there. I think um, just interesting how your call, uh, you know, had a, a time of not directly um, ministry work, although we're all called to ministry, but and then moving into something that, of course, many of our listeners will know very well as one of the leading apologist ministries in the country, certainly. Um, but good, keep going. Talk a little bit more about, uh, and let's hear about your family as well, and then I know Devin and I will have some questions for you as well, but um, share a little bit more about the ministry in those years and your family as well. Family-wise, uh, my wife is from Japan. We're very much looking forward to being able to get back there this autumn. We hadn't been for a while because of the travel problems and so on. So the last few weeks, I've been studying hard to brush up on my Japanese. Uh, when we go over there, she'll be spending much of her time with her friends from grade school and uh, not wanting to be a burden on them, largely because uh, my Japanese is not at their level. I'll go off on my own and explore parts of the country I've not seen yet. So we have a son, and he married a Japanese girl, and their permanent home is in Yokohama. But they're living temporarily in San Jose, California, and they'll be in this country a couple more years before his company takes them back to Yokohama. So uh, a small family situation. Uh, I mentioned that I had practiced law for a while. And I got interested in apologetics in a roundabout way. It wasn't planned. It was something I backed into. There was one time when I was coming out of Mass on a Sunday, uh, and this is maybe halfway through my legal career. What year might have this, would have this have been? This would have, this would have been probably... 1979, thereabouts. Okay. And came out of Mass and discovered on the cars in the church parking lot flyers stuck under the windshield wipers. And the flyer, really a fold-out booklet, uh, was against the Catholic Church in general and the Mass and the priesthood in particular. And I looked at the flyer and found that it was 
published and distributed by our fundamentalist Protestant church just a mile down the road. And I read it, and I said, the, the flyer makes no sense. I mean, it's wrong theology, it's wrong history, <laughs> probably wrong in every other, other way. And I said, somebody ought to respond to this thing. And apparently nobody was interested, so I said, oh, I'll respond. So what I did is I wrote up a flyer of my own and tried to put on two sides of a single sheet of paper in small print the whole corpus of Catholic teaching. I didn't squeeze it all in there, but I got a lot. And I had my flyer printed off, and I folded it up into thirds. And a few Sundays later, I went off to that <laughs> fundamentalist church and put my flyer on the windshields of the cars in its parking lot. And I have a distinct image still of myself. I'm across the street, leaning against a telephone pole as that church's service ends. And the first people out of the door are the elders. And they discover my flyer, and they begin to pick it off the cars, but they're not fast enough. Most of the people get out and get to their cars first and see the flyer. Well, that was it, I thought. Good deed done. Now, when I composed this, I needed to have some kind of aura of authenticity or responsibility. Nobody would know who I was, so I didn't put my name on it. I thought, well, here's a Catholic answering charges against the church. I'll pretend I have an organization. I'll call it Catholic Answers. And I didn't put my home address on the flyer because I didn't want upset fundamentalists coming to my door and bothering my wife while I was at work. So I rented a P.O. box. And so I distributed the flyer and then pretty much forgot about it. And a week or so later, I went to the post office on the off chance that maybe somebody had replied. And I found that the P.O. box was stuffed full with letters. And most of them, of course, were from people in that church. But quite a few were from Catholics. And I didn't know how it was that they came across my flyer. But they were having both Protestants and the Catholics, questions and concerns, and asked for responses. So I wrote back to them. Eventually, what happened is that I wrote another half dozen flyers, and that was it for a while. And then I applied myself and wrote another half dozen, so I had 12. And then I got to the point where I had a burst of energy. I wrote another 12. I ended up with 48. And here I'm still practicing law, but this stuff is beginning to occupy and over-occupy my weekend and evening hours, uh, to the point where actually my health was affected. But it got to the point where I saw that there was, shall we say, a market for these things. And so in 1986, I think it was, I began to write a newsletter called Catholic Answers. It started as four pages every month and eventually became eight. Much later on, that would become a magazine called This Rock. And the name of that magazine eventually was changed to Catholic Answers Magazine. But I got subscribers, and I began to see that, number one, apologetics was something I really enjoyed doing. And number two, it looked like I could put bread on the table doing it. So uh, at the very end of 1987, I closed up my law office, 
And on the first of the next year, I began full-time to work at Catholic Answers. Let's let's pause right there. It's uh, You know, I did not know this history, and Devin, perhaps you do, but um, Devin, I'd love some of your reactions to just you know, to what we're hearing from Carl as he kind of shares his own, his own life and then how the ministry began. It's a, a remarkable story. Well, obviously it's God's providence and Carl, you working with grace to respond to the Lord. But the story, I mean, is legendary. I, I, yeah, I knew the story early on, even before I started doing graphic design work for Catholic Answers in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, Carl, you were just the guy or the front runner that many of us look to, especially us young guys. Uh, when I, I had my conversion at 24, and so your works were those that actually gave me confidence and many of my friends confidence to say, we're proud of being Catholic and we're, we're happy, more than happy to share these truths with uh, those around us. What I've always liked about you, Carl, though, is that you do it in a very, uh, I, I guess, diplomatic, you're very charitable, um, whereas I used your materials at first in, in an uncharitable way, but I'm very impressed like with how you've done it over the years. So uh, yeah, but I just love how you went to law school, you followed your calling, uh, you, you know, your you know, vocational from a secular perspective calling, and then it was God used all that experience, that legal experience, to be able to speak into the truths of the Catholic faith and expose the world to them. And hey, let's just, I mean, God, God's work is manifest because Catholic Answers as a whole has done amazing work over the last several decades. So, I mean, that's just my basic comment on it. So thank you, Carl. You know, you said something that reminded me of an incident. This is before I went full-time into Catholic Answers. I was still practicing law, but my first public debate was against a former priest who had an anti-Catholic ministry. And the debate was held at his church. And so almost all the participants, all, all the audience was you know, comprised of fundamentalists. And I was a bit unnerved. That, that was my first debate. So even if I had not been inclined to, I tried to be as calm and charitable as I could. And I have to say that he was rousingly not so kind toward the Catholic Church and Catholic people. And I remember distinctly after the debate, we're gathered around, people come up and talk, and a woman came up to me and she said, you know, your calmness sp speaks well of your religion. She said, uh, I was disappointed with, with my opponent. He said, uh, I'm a member of this church. I'm not going to fellowship here anymore, she said. And she said, I, I don't think I'll ever become a Catholic. But now I begin to see that maybe there's more to be said for the Catholic religion than I was led to believe. So I learned from that incident that keeping the emotional volume down might be a little disappointing at the moment, but in the long run, it pays benefits. Mm. For those of you just joining us, uh, this is Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a program for Catholic men by Catholic men. My name's Matt Palmer. I'm joined by my co-host, Devin Shad, Fathers of St. Joseph. This is a production of St. Gabriel Radio, AM 820. And our guest is Carl Keating, uh, a well-known, uh, probably one of the first uh, and leading uh, Catholic apologists in our country. And we're talking a little bit about the early years of the ministry. Um, 
I would love to think a little bit, Carl, with you and with Devon about, I, be, I want to begin to transfer this to the life of the laity and, and the life of the, the call for men uh, in our life as husbands and fathers. That's our vocation. But there's a missionary element to our lives and needs to be in, uh, in this culture and in the call that Christ gave us to, to preach the gospel. Um, help us think a little bit, Carl, about how we as laymen who are not educated to be apologists, but how, how do we enter into the, into the, the important ministry of evangelization? What, let's start a little conversation there. I'm sure Devin can react to it a little bit, but how would you guide us as laymen, husbands, fathers, business guys, whatever we do for a living, help us think a little bit about this call to share Christ with the world. I might begin with the truism that you can't share what you don't have. You can't convey a thought if you don't already have that thought within you. I mean, you can't you can't really express your love for the faith unless you first know it. Uh, most of the men, I suppose, listening to this are married, and I'd ask them if you didn't know your wife, if she were just there, but you didn't know her. Would you love her? You have to know someone to love that person. And similarly, if you authentically want to love your faith, you need to know your faith. And apologetics and evangelization and so on are all part of helping people get to know their faith. Apologetics is, I like to think of as sort of the forecourt or antechamber to evangelization. Its job is to overcome misinformation, confusions, hesitations that, if not addressed, would tend to block somebody from growing in the faith first and from being in a, in a position or having an inclination to share the faith, sharing firstly within one's own family, but then in, in the school, in the neighborhood, at work, wherever it might be. You know, we live in a society that has become more secular than many of us could have imagined a few decades ago. And so there's all the more need for each Catholic to know and share, to convey the faith. But to do that effectively, even on a small scale, we've got to know the faith first. So reading, studying, listening, all those things can help. And you know, I've been privileged to spend several decades uh, in a task that is is part of that. And it's it's been very consoling to me over the years to see how many men in particular take up that particular burden joyfully. And even if not with any formal background in religion or history or what have you, they learn enough so that they're able to uh, to be apostles in their own ways, locally, you know, from the family outward. And I've been blessed to see the kinds of, of effects that this work has had. You know, everything starts small. When I began Catholic Answers, it was almost a lark. You know, I, I didn't expect to be anything until retirement except an attorney. It didn't turn out that way. I had no plan, and I suppose even during the whole course of my work, as an apologist, I've never really had a plan. It just sort of unfolded and, you know, just went with it. 
And so I think on a smaller level, maybe uh, every Catholic man can do something like that. Just allow grace to lead. You may not even be aware that grace is involved. Maybe you're just thinking it's an instinctual level. You're learning and doing these things on behalf of yourself and your family and your parish and so on. And then just just go with it. It's beautiful, beautiful sentiments. Um, Devin, I'm thinking there's there's an opportunity here for the men listening to perhaps have you connect uh, our vocation uh, as husbands and fathers and the mission of sharing Christ with, with the world. Um, uh, maybe talk about a little bit, Devin, from your perspective as we listen to Carl and he encourages us as laity. Um, talk about that. Where, where does one, where do we move from a, a, a priority around fatherhood and marriage, married life, and how does that begin to, to um, open itself to uh, the greater impact that God is also calling us to have? Yeah, I, I think that obviously, as St. Augustine said, we're called to be bishops of our home. And as a bishop, we're overseeing. And one of the greatest things we're called to oversee is the maturation of our wife's faith, our children's faith, their relationship with Jesus Christ, and ultimately his leadership, Jesus's leadership to the Father, leading us to the Father through the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I, I feel like you know, obviously my whole mission is about this, but one of the greatest laments of our time is this famine of fatherhood, the famine of domestic bishops. And I think that one of the things that really got me revved up early, like when I encountered Carl's materials, was it empowered me with the truth. And then I started to see the enemies of the truth. And I think that as fathers, we really need to start seeing not only from apologetic side of you know, things, but from the totality, like Carl said, our secular culture is unraveled to a point that we thought would probably be impossible 15 years ago. And as a father, when I start to see the enemies that are out there and to see that my children's souls are literally hanging by a thread at times, just because they can get wiped away with this culture so very easily by temptation, I want to form them in that faith and get, allow them to have that strength that stems from a relation with Christ, with his church, with the sacramental life. And that's why I think having an apologetic side of this, this is men respond very well. I, I mean, I don't know, Carl, I know you had female apologists, um, you know, on the queue, on the staff there, especially with the question and answer. But I think um, apologetics was really was a strongly male predominantly kind of thing for a long time. Men liked to grapple with one another over these things. And I found just in my own circles, when men were empowered with the the truth of apologetics, especially the Catholic truth, that's when they got fired up. And I know we could use a little bit more of that rather than attempting to acquiesce all the time and find the lowest common denominator with other, with with denominations. Catholic Church is not a denomination. It is the church. Um, so I think that that fierceness, that boldness, always with charity, um, people like Carl, uh, we, we should look to to get fired up again to be the bishops of our domestic church. Yeah. Carl, we've got about uh, three and a half, four minutes, but I'd love your response to that. And I'd, I'd love maybe for as kind of some final comments from you to give us some advice on how do we how do we start to become more adept? What what simple things can we, you started to touch on that reading, and but but take us a little deeper. What advice would you give men listening out there who 
first of all, want to make sure that they themselves have been properly catechized, their wife, their children. And it's not just the faith that we're sharing, but a love of Jesus Christ, a personal encounter and relationship with him that's growing. But then as we think about that, obviously the apologetics um, is is an important piece of that. So maybe react to what, what Devin shared, but also give us some um, some parting words on how we might begin this effort. I think we begin by not being scared off of regarding our own inadequacies. We all don't know a lot. It doesn't matter how much we might study or read, we're still going to not know a lot. I remember when I had barely started, maybe it was actually it was before that incident at, at the parish with the flyers that I mentioned, I had a Seventh-day Adventist minister come to my door and got into a bit of a discussion. He opened his Bible. I couldn't respond intelligently to anything he said, even though I knew he was wrong on all these points. There was one point I knew, it was about Matthew 16, 18, and I went at it with him about that. And after he left, uh, I realized, okay, I know one point. I was able to, I failed on 20 points. I got one right. So I had a 5% score. Yeah. But I said, if I can learn one thing, I can learn 10. If I can learn 10, I can learn 100. And so I decided that I would read up on my faith. I would study about it so that the next time somebody like that came to the door, maybe there would still be many things I couldn't answer well, but there'd be things I could answer well. And so that sense of confidence by learning and doing and failing and then trying again and so on, that I think is maybe one of the great lessons in life that I learned. Uh, I gave a talk at a men, two men's group some time ago that I called Failure and Gratitude. I, I failed probably more than I succeeded in anything I've done in life, but I'm grateful for having the chance to fail and then learn from and grow from the failures. Mm. This is a really hopeful note uh, as we kind of conclude, because I think that the resources are abundant. Um, you know, uh, Catholic Answers continues to supply um, great resources. Uh, we listen to the radio show. We have all the books that are available. Um, Tim and all the guys do a wonderful job. Um, but I think your point is maybe as we finish today is just to recognize that we start where we are and that we don't have to be perfect. Um, that when we love our Lord and we grow in our love for him, we will naturally want to share that. And just sharing our own experience is a great way to, to live and love and share the faith. So Carl, I want to thank you. Um, you've been a, you've been a wonderful guest. We've learned a lot. Uh, we'll get you back on to continue this discussion. Um, but listeners, uh, let's keep living our faith, loving our faith and sharing our faith. This has been Iron Sharpens Iron. Have a great day. God bless you all.